Welcome back, fellow Inquisitors. You're back once again at the desk for your favorite flavor of propaganda delivered by your friendly foreign agent. Uh, let's get in because we've got some big topics today. Uh, this morning's main news, as reported uh, by Yandex News and Lenta.ru, on June 30th, 1340 MSK, the Russian Defense Ministry announced the withdrawal of the garrison from Snake Island. According to Igor Konoshenkov, representative of the Ministry of Defense, the withdrawal of Russian troops from the island was carried out as a gesture of goodwill in order to demonstrate unwillingness to prevent the export of grain from Ukraine. The general noted that the tasks assigned to the garrison were completed. You mean booby-trapped the living hell out of it. We'll see. That's me, pure, pure speculation. I am quite fascinated by this story. Ukraine has thrown away God knows how many lives trying to take it. Russia has taken some damage and losses in defending it. I'm guessing now that the strategic value that it brought is no longer worth the risk that um, was entailed in resupplying it and holding it. The expenses, obviously, that that also entailed um, in repelling these attacks and so on. Um, hmm. Still a lot of questions about Snake Island. But there we go. That seems to end that saga because I don't foresee Russia then fighting to take it back in the future. So Russia seemingly saying, there you go, you have it. If there was any funny business that's been claimed on Snake Island, I'm guessing that one of the tasks that were assigned of documenting, collecting evidence has also been completed. There we go. A bit of a vague and strange end to the saga of Snake Island, which has been quite entertaining to follow but there we go wrapped up now the other big story of in the geopolitical arena let's say is of course Erdogan dropping the veto of Turkey that prevented Sweden and Finland from joining NATO Vladimir Putin said that Russia has no problem with Sweden and Finland in NATO however it does go on look at that face <laughs> that's not the face of someone who's particularly pleased but equally yeah <laughs> More of a disappointed parent, I, I guess. Uh, we have nothing to worry about in terms of Finland and Sweden's membership in NATO. If they want to join NATO, please. Only they should clearly and clearly imagine that before there were no threats to them. And now, if military contingents and infrastructure are deployed there, we will have to respond in a mirror manner and create the same threats to the territories from which threats are created to us. So said the head state head of state quote from tass I, th I think that's a very valid point never has there been any certainly for sweden I, I get finland to a degree and they've always been a little bit nervous of russia for their own reasons sweden though what why the baltic naval maybe you could argue whereas finland sharing that land border but at the same time there was never really any threat that I saw, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? At the same time, the president stressed the call of Western countries to Ukraine to refuse negotiations with Russia confirms that everything is being done to achieve the imperial ambitions of United West. This is a means to protect their own interests, that is, through the hands of Ukrainians, the Ukrainian people, NATO members, and the leading NATO countries simply want to assert themselves additionally, assert their role in the world, confirm not leadership, but their hegemonism in the truest sense of the word their imperial ambitions he explained 
that's that's kind of the same like argument that's been leveled at Putin that he's imperial and wants to. You all know that. Let's move on. The statements that actually caught my eye from Jens Stoltenberg. NATO officially invited Sweden and Finland to join the alliance on June 29th, following the result of the summit in Madrid. I am curious as to what Biden whispered into Erdogan's ear. The accession of Finland and Sweden will make them more secure. Will it? I don't think so. NATO stronger. Well, it's caused a lot of division and problems. Uh, I'm again not convinced on the NATO stronger aspect. Uh, again, what 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 are Sweden and Finland really bringing to the table? Uh, aside from maybe Finland's strategic position to the north of St. Petersburg and the border with Russia, but I, I don't don't see that. And the Euro-Atlantic region safer? No, this is a powder keg, and you're bringing the match ever so <laughs> just that bit closer. Uh, you know, you've got the stick that you're pointing at the bear and you're going for another poke. So I disagree with all those statements in their entirety pretty much. Gives you some background onto why Turkey opposed uh, due to the PKK. And then we go down to, again, Jens Stoltenberg. Uh, so Vladim- uh, it will serve as a signal to Vladimir Putin that the doors of the alliance remain open and now he will get more NATO at the Russian borders, although he sought the opposite. Well, that sounds bloody childish doesn't it we we've invited them in because you didn't want us to even though putin's like we don't care (laughs) obviously his argument with ukraine was nato's expansion eastward against their assurances which are actually recorded now there's more uh documented sort of evidence to support putin's claims so jens stoltenberg goes really pathetic in my point of view oh talking of pathetic childish behavior Lithuania announced the imminent publication of the rules for transit to Kaliningrad. So, playing silly buggers uh, here, Nis- Norzieda did not give details, but noted that Vilnius opposes the Green Corridor for special cargo. The Kremlin called Lithuania's decision to ban the transit of goods subject to EU sanctions to Kaliningrad illegal. Okay, it, it goes on, uh, it repeats that bit there. Earlier, a Reuters interlocutor, also spoke about this. According to the source of the agency, transportation between Kaliningrad and the rest of Russia can be exempt from sanctions on the basis they are not international trade in the full sense. This is precisely the point I was trying to highlight in my walkie-talkie in St. Petersburg. I didn't understand how if you're just transporting from A to B and the goods never change ownership, how how is that in contravention to sanctions? But, you know, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not fully up to speed with the legal definitions listed in the sanctions. This relief may be introduced on the condition that the goods subject to sanctions will be used exclusively in the Kaliningrad region and not sent further by sea. Uh, Who the hell are you to dictate that on Russia's own property that's going from point A to point B? But whatever. This is according to Reuters and link is included. Not to the exact article it appears here, just to Reuters.com, which again makes me a bit uneasy here. It goes on to some hilarious stuff. Since June 18th, Lithuania has banned the transit of certain goods to the Kaliningrad region and from it to other Russian regions by rail. The 66-page list of prohibited goods included products made of iron and steel, goods for use in the aviation or space industry, perfumes, porcelain or ceramic dishes, household appliances worth more than 750 euros, purebred horses, truffles... Cigars and other items that fell under EU sanctions good. How many 
residents of um, Kaliningrad are racing purebred horses whilst eating truffles, smoking a cigar. That just that's baffling. The key point here, it goes on to talk about Dmitry Medvedev and his response. And there, actually, there's a an extra line inserted, and it says the restrictions affected gas liquefaction plants. Ah, now, as we know, the we talked about this LNG terminal, and I wondered whether Kaliningrad had one. Well, it appears that they do, because if we head over to the Financial Times, if it'll load, apologies for the cookie notice, but on the 26th of January, it was reported that a tanker by the name of the Mikhail uh, Marshal Vasilevsky LNG tanker was moved into position. This is 26th of January, keep in mind. Leading industry observers to speculate that it's part of Moscow's contingency planning in the event of an invasion of Ukraine. Analysts said they believe Moscow may be reinforcing Kaliningrad's gas supply option in case any Russian incursion into Ukraine results in the disruption of pipeline gas supplies through either Western sanctions or decision by Russia to restrict supplies to Europe. So this was before. So I agree that, yeah, clearly Russia preempted that the uh, Kaliningrad's region might be suffering here this again was the same news reported in different source however this one says during the launch gazprom ceo alexi miller announced that the transit to kaliningrad via belarus and lithuania through the minsk vilnius kornas kaliningrad gas pipeline was ceased at the same time this lng tanker was moved in meaning the exclave is now able to be supplied exclusively via the sea terminal, thus minimizing hypothetical risk of disruption to transit via Lithuania. So this then ties in as to why I expect that these sanctions are targeting the maintenance of gas liquefaction plants. Mm, Quite intriguing. Keeping with uh, the economic side, and following on from my report yesterday of the dollar dropping below 51 rubles, economists predicted the ruble exchange rate in 2023... The exchange rate of the ruble in 2023 will be 74 rubles per dollar when replacing oil exports to the EU. That is pretty fascinating. I I take all this with a pinch of salt anyway. I don't see how they can be so accurate in their predictions. If Moscow can completely replace the falling oil exports to the EU, it goes on the cost of the barrel. Brent will be $100 exactly and euros $70 cites its source there. According to experts, the EU oil embargo and other trade restrictions will become a negative factor for the Russian currency in the medium term. At the same time, the exchange rate of the ruble, historically closely related to the dynamics of oil prices, uh, we saw that previously with the oil shocks and the impact it had on the Russian economy. When was that? Back in 2008, was it? In the worst case scenario, if Russia fails to replace banned supplies to Europe at all, and if the consensus forecast for oil prices is realized, the average average ruble exchange rate in 2023 will be 93 rubles per dollar. In the optimistic scenario, with the redistribution of 100% of exports, the exchange rate is expected to be 74 rubles per dollar, economists predicted. If Moscow can redirect only half of the supplies of the Russian currency, it will be 83 only half of the supplies of the Russian currency will be 83 rubles per dollar. Mm-hmm. I, I call this mental masturbation because it feels good, but it doesn't really get us anywhere. It's kind of just just playing with numbers. But 
intriguing nonetheless because then we find this news which was reported yesterday in Commerçant. Rosneft announced the discovery of a large oil field on the shelf of the Pechora Sea. Uh, 82 million tons of oil were put on the balance sheet of the State Commission for Mineral Reserve. So more, more oil for Russia, presumably. The field was discovered after drilling a prospecting and appraisal well with a depth of 4.4 kilometers. You know, the kind of activity that Biden banned in America. Well, the Russians are up to it and they've found, um, what they say, three, 30 to 300 million tons of oil. Such a field is considered large. So more oil. Maybe that exacerbates the problem of trying to find other buyers, but I don't think Russia is going to have a problem. Trade with Iran up 70%, up with India, up with China. I'm sure other countries will follow suit in time. So I don't see a uh, issue in redistributing that oil, but it's obviously a possibility. Uh, getting on to some other news. This is a kind of by the by. Do you remember that story of the guy who insulted Ramzan Kadyrov? I won't get into the insults. They are here, but I won't highlighted them. Just nasty threats. Later, he was captured after the fall of Azovstal and reported to be in the Grozny detention centre. The last I heard, Ramzan Kadyrov was paying this particular character a personal visit, and I never heard anything more. Today, it's been reported on June 30th, it became known about the fate of the Lieutenant Azov, who threatened nasty things to Kadyrov's mother. Uh, this... This information was not confirmed about the Grozny Breed Trial Detention Center. The publication, citing sources in the leadership of the DPR, reports that Kazatkin, name of this Azov guy, is in the Volnovakna, Volovnaka colony, number 120. Alive and well, sleeps, walks, gets food three times a day, goes to the dining room with his friend Frost. There are no complaints from him. He's a very wise man. All that threatens him is shelling from the armed forces of Ukraine. Arrivals to Yelenovka constantly take place on a regular basis. There we go. He also said that 2,300 prisoners from Azovstal are being held in the Yelenovka colony. We reported also that the DPR is modelling their trials on the Nuremberg ones of the Second World War. So we'll end on a, a lighter-hearted but no less baffling news story here we have these are the top five stories in russia and uh, the main thing the most important news <laughs> number five is london criticized the faroe islands for allowing russian vessels to fish in british waters what okay reported by the daily express with a direct link to the article being cited uh, let's actually head over there because it's always amusing uh-huh lots of pictures of uh, papa poo fury as pharaohs let russian Vessels fish in UK waters. Angry fishing bosses have blasted the deeply disappointing decision. I'm not going to keep it up with all this, you know, trigger words that are in there. The main point here is the Faroese granted Moscow the right to catch 75,000 tons of blue whiting each year. This is a pre-existing agreement from what I can gather. It's not like they've just signed a, a, a deal to do this. But the industry has called on the UK government to pressure the island country 200 miles north of Scotland to maximise damage to Vladimir Putin's war machine by banning his trawlers. Five Russian flagships were last week still moored at two Faroese ports. A grand total of five. 
Yes. So banning those five, what it's believed will bring Russia to its knees. This is the weakness. And then it gets even more baffling because the Telegraph reported that British ministers wanted to hit Russia with a new wave of sanctions by restricting imports of Russian fish and seafood. London plans to impose duties on the export of Russian whitefish, as well as cod and haddock, which are traditionally used to make fish and chips. You are sanctioning your national dish. Are you claiming that Putin owns England because he controls your cod and chips? Absolutely baffling. Really baffling. I I don't know. When you've got Boris in charge, who knows? Anyway, that's about that's about the roundup of literally the top five stories, roughly, uh, in Russia this morning. I hope you're having a good day. I hope to see you again later today, if I can, maybe outside. Uh, but I'm sure we've got some more developments to catch up on. I hope you're all very well indeed. Thank you all to the new members and patrons and all the supporters, and also for your kind comments and emails. Thank you all very much indeed. I will see you in the next one. Bye-bye.